Let's turn in our Bibles back to 1 Peter. All right, so we have been diving into this book where we are seeing that as Christians, we are on a pilgrim journey, each of us, and together. God is calling us to stand firm in the grace of God, whatever this life throws at us. And we know that life is going to throw a lot of stuff at us. So this call to stand firm is very real and very timely uh, for us all. And last week we ended with verses 11 and 12, which is uh, really an important bridge between the previous section and now our new section. Uh, Pastor Santo gave us that twofold command, which is to abstain from evil and to seek to do good. And now we're beginning to put that into practice as we talk about this topic of submission. So with that in mind, we're going to read our section. And so again, 1 Peter. And when you get there, if you're able, let's stand up together. We're going to read God's word from uh, verse 13 down to 25 to the end of the chapter. Let's hear God's word. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit to yourself, your, yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseers of your soul. Word of the Lord. Amen. All right, so you may be seated. Um, so the, the topic of... I'm going to need that. Can I yeah, go ahead. Right, thanks. The topic of submission, though it is all throughout the Bible on various levels, is, I think, at the core, antithetical to the American spirit. I could hardly think of a more hated or countercultural word for Americans. To be fair, we could say that's the same for every other country on earth and every other person on earth because in our flesh, none of us ever want to submit to the authorities in our lives. But for the sake of our argument, let's consider our own country. Key American mantras like live free or die 
or Don't Tread on Me, or Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, all scream an independence from any person or institution that might make us submit under their unjust authority. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for godly civil disobedience against unjust leaders and governments. After all, it's through that uh, civil disobedience that we get to enjoy many of the freedoms that we have here mm -hmm. in America. But I think we can all agree that that spirit sometimes goes too far. Mm -hmm. And too far in asserting our independence to the point where we won't submit to anyone or anything. But for Christians, submission is a pillar of our faith. It's a foundation to this pilgrim journey that you or I are on, even to fallen authorities in this world. See, it's really a part of God's perfect design. So this morning, as we study 1 Peter, we're going to see that because of what Jesus has done for you and for me, we have been graciously freed to serve God by submitting to the authorities that he has put in our lives. That's what our text shows us this morning. And we're going to look at this, and as we do, we're going to answer some key questions of who and when and why and how we submit to these earthly authorities, but we're going to look at it through these two categories that Peter gives us. And the first is that we are freed to submit to our governing authorities. So in our passage today, um, Peter gives us at least two categories and then one next week that we'll look at where Christians are called to submit. This is not the only place that you and I are called to submit. Uh, other places in the Bible talk about that as well. But these are the ones that Peter chose to highlight to the original audience and now to us today. And they are governing authorities, workplace authorities, and then next week we'll see marriage relationship. Notice that the, the groups each follow basically the same wording. 2.13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Down to 2.18, servants, be subject to your masters with all respects. And then next week, 3.1, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Peter makes no bones about it. He says this is the will of God in verse 15, that you and I as Christians submit, that we willingly put ourselves under their leadership. The, the word here carries the idea of military rank and leadership. It's the reality that I and you are not the captain, but there are, we, we are really the private in that relationship. For those of you who don't know how the military structure works, the private is way down on the totem pole, okay? And the captain is way up there. We are under, we are putting ourselves under their leadership. But there's kind of one big thing that I think is the elephant in the room when we start talking about submitting to authorities that God has put in our lives. And here's the kicker, that all of these authorities are fallen. All these authorities are human. All of these authorities sin and sometimes do things that are wrong and unjust. So it's all good to submit to their authority when they are just, and when they're asking us to do the right thing, but what about when they are corrupt and evil? And there's the rub. You would expect Peter to come out quickly and say, no, 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 no. As Christians, you only need to submit to the good authorities. But that's not what he says here. 
More on that later. Hold that point. For now, however, in answering the who question, we just need to realize that in this life and in this fallen world, we are going to have to submit to fallen human leaders. And that's part of God's will for you and for me. Be it a pagan emperor like Nero who persecuted Christians or a stingy, manipulating boss who only cares about his bottom line. And I admit that's a hard pill for even me to swallow right? It's, it's a hard truth for you and I to get, but it's the truth that only Jesus can help us to live out. We'll see that again a little further down in the text. But let's focus here on this first group, which is governing leaders and their citizens. All over the Bible, it is clear that the Lord sets up the governing authorities. He sets them up and he takes them down. Whether it's Joseph or Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nero, no leader gets put into power by mistake or happenstance or somehow out of God's control. No, God has a plan. He puts them there for a specific reason. God's plan is clear here in verse 14. What is it? The government's role is to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And our role as citizens is equally clear from verse 13, that we are to be subjected to them or submitting to them, honoring them, supporting them, praying for them, giving what is theirs. So if our government asks us to pay taxes to help provide for services that we all use, like roads and schools, maybe uh, protection from the army, well, we follow Jesus' teaching, which is what? Give Caesar what is Caesar's. And in verse 15, Peter goes on to give one of those reasons why we should admit to submit to those governing authorities. And I want you to listen here to one of those reasons why we submit to our governing authorities. And it is because it is an incredible witness to a watching world, especially to a government who thinks that Christians are up to no good in their society. That's exactly what was going on here with the original audience. Remember, Peter is writing to a group of scattered Christians living in a fallen world with fallen leaders, Nero being one of them, who were persecuting them. And think of it, they're in the thick of it. They're really suffering. Interestingly, historians tell us that it was under Nero that Peter was martyred. So Peter continually instructs them in their suffering to think about what is ahead of them, what is awaiting them in heaven. That's why he uses words like imperishable over and over again in his letter. But he also tells them to think about the present, that there are reasons why they were not taken straight to heaven as Christians. And one of those reasons is that by submitting to the authorities that God has placed in their life, some might come to treasure and know Christ and to believe in him. David Helm puts it this way. He says, our motivation rests in this. Submission to authority is the strongest apologetic against the view that Christians are never up to any good. Our goodness will be the greatest apologetic for the gospel. Good works silence false accusations. We ought to be throwing ourselves into good things. Submission is the great apologetic for the gospel. So what about you and me? What about us? 
Are we busy in doing good? What a necessary privilege it is for you and for me to represent Christ to the watching world in this way. Do you see that as a privilege? Do you take that seriously? This may be the very way that God draws some of these governing leaders to himself as they watch you live out your life of submission. But we also see another reason here in our text, which is it is an act of worship. Throughout our passage, Peter is very clear that in the end, our submission to earthly authorities is really a greater expression of our submission to God. After all, he's the one who put them in power. He is the one who has put them in that place. And he is perfect. He will never mess up. Mm-hmm. And we see in verse two th- or, uh, chapter 2, verse 13, where it says that our submission to God, or sorry, to our governing leaders is first and foremost for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake, it says. So we oh. submit to them as unto the Lord. One question I thought about when I was studying is that if we won't submit to the authorities that God has placed in our lives, what does that say about our submission to God himself? The two are very much related. Mm -hmm. If we won't submit to the authorities that God has placed in our lives, then there's something up with our submission to even God himself. So why do we continue to show honor to a political leader even when they have no respect for Christians? maybe even to the point of persecution? Well, Peter tells us here that it's all because of Jesus, because God is the one who has put them in our life for good reasons. But he has also told us that it is an act of worship. It's the way that we bring glory to God, because our submission to these authorities in our lives are a greater expression of our submission and worship to God himself. But this is not the only place and the only realm that Peter gives us where Christians have to submit to authority. He goes on in verses 18 to 25 to show that we are freed to submit to our earthly bosses. Now, as we launch into this topic, I'm not going to spend time explaining the difference between the type of slavery that existed here uh, in our text and are are what we usually think of in our modern day world. Because you'll notice that some of the versions use slave and not servants. If you want to talk more about that, please see, you know, Pastor Santo or me, uh, we can talk more about that. But really, I want to go straight to the the punch of this text, which is uh, our relationship in, in the workplace with our bosses. Now, it should be obvious that we are to submit to the good and godly bosses and authorities that God has put in our life. Those who ask us to do things maybe specifically from the Bible or things that flow from good uh, doctrine. So if the boss asks us to do our work in an ethical way, we do it, right? If he wants us to show uh, being polite to customers, we do that, right? We treat them as we would anybody else. But what about when it comes to ungodly authorities, like an ungodly boss? What are Christians supposed to do then? Well, Peter doesn't shy away from this question. And again, like I said earlier, he doesn't give us the answer that we would expect. It's kind of a surprise. So take, for example, the category of workers and their bosses. Verse 18, he says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respects. 
not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Wait, what did he just say? I, I was with Peter when he was saying, be good or be submissive to the good and gentle. But did he just say, be submissive to the unjust boss? He did. He did. Now, let me make one important caveat. Uh, that I have to make or else I'm probably going to lose some of you. As a, as a general biblical principle, we are called to submit to authorities that God has placed in our lives, whoever they are, unless they call us to sin and to go directly against God's word here. So if the authority, whether it's an ungodly president or boss or husband, tells you to deny Christ, well then obviously you have to disobey that authority. But by and large, I don't think that's what Peter is talking about here. The exception to the rule is not his focus in this text. And as the preacher, I have to preach this text, right? right. Pastor Santo, among many others, has taught me that. The exception to the rule is not Peter's focus for these suffering servants and for these persecuted pilgrims. He has a different aim in mind. And so to answer the question of when do you submit to these ungodly bosses and authorities in your life? The answer is as much as humanly possible. In fact, beyond what is humanly possible because it's impossible for you and I to do on our own. And again, Peter gives us reasoning here. He answers the why question. Why do we submit to the ungodly boss? 2.19, for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows, while suffering unjustly. So when the godly employee submits to the unjust boss, again, out of their greater submission to God, it requires a God's point of view, not an earthly one. Mm -hmm. One commentator summarizes it this way. He says, it's not a stoic, self-motivated tenacity which holds out against all opposition, but rather the opposite, the trusting awareness of God's presence and never failing care, which is the key to righteous suffering. It's the confidence that God will ultimately right all wrongs, which enables a Christian to submit to an unjust master without resentment, rebelliousness, self-pity, or despair. Wow. So why do you and I continue to put up with that boss that rides us or treats us unfairly just because we're a Christian. Again, it's all because of Jesus, because God is the one who has put them in our life and because we are called to submit to them. That's God's will. It's an act of worship. It's an act of entrusting ourselves to the Lord who has put that person in our lives. But you know, after all this ground that we have covered in this short period of time together, you might be asking yourself the question, Pastor Pete, how is this even possible? How is this even possible to do, to submit to a person who continues to ride me, who continues to make fun of me or treat me unfairly? I mean, like most of us, when we are treated wrong or when we are done dirty, our initial response is to what? We want to give it back to them, right? We want to be the equalizer. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, right? Yeah. There's a TV show out now about that. Yeah. And I think the reason why we love vigilantes in our movies and TVs is because vigilantes take justice into their own hands. Mm -hmm. They don't wait for a court of law. 
They don't wait for police officers. They don't wait for any of that. But they give it right back to them. They give them their own medicine, right? And we praise them for it. But we know that's not the way of the kingdom. We know that's not the way of Christ. That's right. So how do we not do in our sinful flesh what we want to do? How do we submit, especially when it's hard and unfair? That is the question before us in this text. Well, there are many places in our passage that we could point to answering this, but none is better than verses 21 to 25. And there we get our answer. In the example of our suffering, submissive servant, Jesus Christ. Let's read this text one more time, just so we can get refocus on Jesus. Verse 21. For to you, or sorry, to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued, entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. This is one of those passages that we could spend days soaking that in. In fact, a whole lifetime soaking that in. But how does this help us to submit even in that circumstance of an unfair or unjust boss? Well, first thing here is that we submit like he submitted. We submit like Jesus did. Whatever other examples we have in godly submission, Christ is the best one. That's why Peter uses him in verse 21 as the supreme example of submitting to authorities that God has put in your life. And make no mistake about it, the injustice that Christ experienced by unjust authorities beat the worst of any injustice that you and I will ever experience in this world. And still, he did not resort to vigilante revenge. What was his secret? Verse 23, he entrusted himself to his father who knew what he was going through, who knew that he would carry out ultimate justice, that these corrupt leaders would not escape justice. He entrusted himself to his father saying, Father, I know that you are going to take care of this one day in the end. That was his secret. Likewise, you and I must entrust ourselves to our Heavenly Father, who does the same for us in our suffering, unjustly in our workplaces. That's how you submit to an ungodly boss, to one who rides you and persecutes you because you know Christ. You have a perfect example in Jesus. But you know, Peter goes on here to give us more. The second thing I want us to see here is that we submit through the power that his submission achieved for us. So Jesus is not only the perfect example, but he is the power source 
the engine of our submission to the authorities that God has placed in our lives. So this is kind of getting into more of the, the gospel motivation. Right? How does the gospel motivate you and me to submit even when it's hard? That's what we see here highlighted in verse 24. It says that because of Jesus who, who uh, suffered unjustly, what does it say that you and I can do now? It says that because he did this, we can now die to sin and live unto righteousness. So essentially what Jesus did in his life and his death and his resurrection, it now has freed you and me to submit. It has given you and me the power that we did not possess previously to submit to unjust authorities. Think on that. So if you are finding it hard to submit to the governing authorities in your life, if you are finding it hard to submit to that bad boss in your life, where do you go, Christian? You must go back to the cross. You must Go back there and find that power afresh and anew to carry out God's command. God never commands us to do something that he doesn't give us the strength and the power to do. Jesus in his life and his death and his resurrection has freed you and me to serve God by submitting to the authorities that he has placed in our lives. So, Christian. Are you suffering unjustly today? Maybe at the hands of, of a government, a governing authority. Maybe it's a boss at work. This text reminds us that you're not alone. That there have been those that have went before you. There have been those that have went before us and have suffered unjustly. And you know what? It's not a sign that God has forgotten about you or that God is unhappy with you. In fact, it is the opposite, that God has designed this suffering in your life, that he uses this suffering in your life to draw people unto himself. There may be an ungodly boss at work that he may become a Christian one day because of the way in which you suffer through this. So continue to entrust yourself to the authorities that God has put in your life by entrusting yourself to your heavenly Father who cares for you, who is the good shepherd, the overseer of your souls. I want to encourage you this week to trust him and to follow him even when you face opposition. Keep your eyes on him. That's the only way that you and I can do that. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word speaks to us uh, about real things. It's not some pie in the sky uh, theology and talking about God. It's, it's real life um, and real living that it speaks to because many of us are facing uh, persecution. Many of us are facing suffering. It may not be as, as extreme as Peter's day, but it's there. And we need to know how to submit to these authorities that you have put in our life. We need to know how we can have the power to do that when we feel like we can't. When we feel like all we want to do is seek revenge or give them what they gave to us. Jesus, we pray for the grace to follow your example. But we also 
thank you that you give us the power through what you did in your life, in your death, in your resurrection for us. God, we pray this week that you would graciously continue to free us to submit to the authorities that you have placed in our life. And through that, Lord, that a watching world would come to know you, Lord. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.